Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Merry Christmas Eve, 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 Eve. Um, I do want to just highlight again the Christmas Eve, you know, we're, we're going to, it's only from five to six, and so it's a great opportunity for you to kind of get your Christmas Eve fix and then be able to go home and, and uh, do whatever your traditions are with your family. Um, it's going to be a candlelight service, and here's, here's my um, encouragement to you guys. It's such an easy opportunity to invite people to church on Christmas Eve, because most people... Uh, will kind of go on Easter and Christmas Eve, and those are kind of the two big times that people will come. And so we're, we're, it's a great opportunity for people to hear the gospel, and it's easy for you to invite them. So five, five to six here, our kids are going to do a little, um, we got like this little thing planned out between, it's a surprise, okay, so I can't tell you exactly what it is, but the kids are going to be singing, and the band's going to be up here leading the kids, so you don't want to miss out, so it's a great opportunity to bring grandparents and all that kind of stuff, so cool. How's everybody doing? It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. And as you're turning there, uh, let me throw out the question, who's already got their Christmas shopping done? Okay, so about four people. So who's got like maybe like 90% of it done, but you still have like, you know, little stocking stuffers and the, okay, most of us. Who, who's, who's just saying, hey, I'm in total, total problem, I'm in deep, yeah, deep doo-doo, I haven't even started yet, and your wife says, I don't need a Christmas gift, don't believe her, right, that kind of a thing, so we're all, okay. I, let me tell you, wives, you can plug your ears for a moment, but husbands, it's a trick, okay? If your wife says she doesn't need a gift for her birthday or a gift for Christmas, it's a trick, okay? <laughs> Don't believe her. <laughs> Don't give in. You know, uh, we said from the beginning of our, kind of as we hit the Christmas season, this Advent time, that we were going to fight hard to not give in to, you know, the, the worldly Christmas spirit, the expectation that the world puts on this time, where we're sold a bill of goods that everything has to be lollipops and cotton candy and hot chocolate. And if we're not feeling all these like, you know, warm and fuzzy feelings on the inside, then we're not really finding the meaning of this time. And, you know, we, we've said this, this is a time where we're longing for Jesus. We call it Advent, which is the Latin word for longing. And we, we've said that, you know, we're not going to do the whole, like, I hope I get the BB, the Red Rider BB gun, or I hope I get that, that extra bonus for the pool, or I hope my dad will notice me after, you know, I just came down from the North Pole for 40 years, and he's been writing terrible children's books. That's the movie Elf. And finally, after 40 years, he'll remember me. And, you know, we're not going to give in to all the, what this world says, what Christmas time is. We've been looking at these songs of Christmas— we looked at Mary's song about how she magnified God even in the midst of what could be a tumultuous, a, a quite challenging time for her. Last week, we looked at Zachariah's song about how he praised God, he blessed God, in, and how God silenced him. And he had to go through these nine months of, of focusing on God, of, of, of not being able to like give his input, but just having to God speak into his soul. 
And this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, where we see the angels finally now sing appropriately. Out of all people, it should be the angels, right? But we're going to see how, what the angels said and who they said it to and how it affects us for this Christmas time. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 8. We're going to read through verse 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on the earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, that means they went quickly, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the word. We thank you that you came fully God, yet fully man. That you were Emmanuel. That you humbled yourself and became flesh. We thank you that you experienced every single temptation that we faced that you experienced every single pain that we, we, we face, and yet you remained holy and pure and righteous, and you made a way for us to know the Father. We thank you that it was heralded of your, your coming to earth and what that means for us. And this morning, we ask that that same message of your glory coming and filling the earth, and it's for all men, would fill our hearts this morning. Help us where we need to to be transformed this morning. Help us where we need you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us and make us more like the Son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's my question to you guys this morning. Hearing this song from the angels, if you were tasked with... with with if you were given the most important message of all time, that could ever have been said, that will be said, who are the, who's the first person you would go to? Your spouse. Some of you guys, I mean, think about it. If you were tasked with, you were given the most important thing that could ever be said, who would you, you'd be all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, you'd probably try to like Go get a hold of some news anchor. Who's the news anchors today? I was going to say Ted Koppel, but that's like 20 years ago. <laughs> you, you would, if, you had, if you were given the most important message that would affect the whole 
earth, you would try to tell the most important person, you would try to tell the person that you thought could get it disseminated across all social media kind of groups. You would try to say, how can I, how can I just get this out? Now, here's the interesting thing. The angels come to shepherds. Now, most of us have this redeemed idea about what a shepherd is. Uh, Jesus, the great shepherd, right? If, if we've been in church for any period of time, when we hear the word shepherd, we think of somebody who's, you know, like the precious moments, if you've ever had those little figurines, and they're always smiling, and they look like children, and they have rosy cheeks, and they're clean, and they're, you know, we think of these shepherds as sanctified human beings walking around doing the Lord's work. But what, what reality is for this period of time is that shepherds were actually the opposite of that. They were like the lowest of the low. They were, you know, for, for a Jewish person, for a holy Jewish person, they were, you had to boycott working with a shepherd. Because what, would, what, what society would say about shepherds is any, any wool or milk or kids that they sold, not kids like children, like uh, baby sheep, <laughs> baby goats or baby sheep, any, they were considered stolen. You would just assume that a shepherd, if he's trying to sell you something, that he stole it from somebody else. So they were like, they, they were considered thieves. They were considered the guys who, you know, they were weird because they spent all their time with just animals by themselves. They were isolated. And so to interact with them wasn't a pleasant thing. And here's the interesting thing. The angels come to the shepherds first to herald, to announce a message that's going to change the course of history. The other thing about the shepherds is they weren't allowed in temples. They weren't allowed to worship God with the Jewish people in the temple. They, their, their, uh, their evidence in court, what is it, what you, your, their testimony in court was considered unadmissible because they were unreliable. And here... Jesus tells everything about who he is in this moment, and he comes to people who can't go to him. And he declares a message through angels to the lowliest of the low. It's like a paradox. You and I think, man, that would be the worst idea. If I had something really important to tell, I'm not going to tell the worst person who would be able to get that information out. I'm going to tell the most respectable person. But isn't that just like God to do something like that? Isn't it just like God to choose the lowliest person? Just like he chose Mary. She says, he has seen me in my lowliest state. And now God sends supernatural beings to declare this message to a people who seem so unworthy of it. This would be the last people you tell. Um, now, here's the thing. What is the message that they say? Look at verse 14. It says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This word glory, it's not a word that we normally use in every day, right? Uh, we, unless we're like some kind of eccentric, rich, old kind of person where we're like, oh, that's so glorious, you know? But we don't walk around and going, oh, that, look at, that's so, look at the glory of that. Look at Gilbert's beard, the glory of Gilbert's beard. We don't use that word. We normally use other words to describe something that's amazing. 
But when the shepherds come, or when the angels come and, and give this word glory, what the, I love this translation of the word glory. It's, it's this idea of weight. It's the weight of God. It's, it's the heaviness of who he is. And, and it's almost like, like a comet hitting the earth at thousands of miles per hour. And when, when that comet strikes the ground, what happens? It leaves this huge crater. It disperses everything in its path. And boom! And it brings change. And the glory of the God is the same, is the same way. Often we think of the glory of God as kind of like shininess, right? Well, how would you describe, oh, it's the shininess of God. No, it is so much more. The glory of God is the weight of who he is coming in and bringing change to wherever the glory of God comes. And that is the message that these angels are declaring. They're saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among whom he is well pleased. The glory of God has come in not in a, not in a comet, not in a, a, a weighty piece of metal that has hit the earth. No, the glory of God has come in a person. See, Jesus representing the glory of God. When he has come, it changed everything. It dispersed the earth, so to speak. It, dis it displaced everything that was is now different. And that's the message that the angels are declaring here. So what is, what is this glory? How, how can we say, okay, I get it, Kelly, you're talking about Christmas, you're challenging us to, to not say, to not give in to the, the way of the world during this season, that Christmas is just supposed to be about the warm and fuzzies, it's about how many tree lights we have, it's about the hot cocoa. If, if you're saying, all right, it's the songs of Christmas, and I'm, I'm meant to focus on the glory of God during this time, and it's being personified in a person, how does that affect me? I'm going to give us four things this morning, and then we're, we're going to respond together. Number one, when the glory of God comes, it exposes false security. Look at verse 9. It says here, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and what? They were filled with fear. Now here, let me like, explain to you how this is kind of a thing. Um, my kids, don't judge me on this, but when they were younger, used to love Barney the dinosaur. <laughs> now, you might think I'm a terrible parent for letting my kids watch Barney. <laughs> An older me would go back and rebuke a younger me, okay? <laughs> but... <laughs> It's terrible if you've never seen Barney. It's the most, it's just benign of life. It sucks your life out of you. And <laughs> anyways, but they used to love Barney and they would want to watch it over and over. And my mother-in-law, who wants to be a good grandma to the kids, bought them a Barney CD. Okay? So not only did we have to watch Barney on the television, but we had to listen to Barney on, in the car and at home. And you know he always talks like this. Like everything is like, <laughs> it's like crazy. So we used to have this CD player at our house. And this is how a CD, for those of you who don't know, is music on a disc, okay? 
and we had this CD player, and it had a, a, a CD changer. It had all these, uh, like, so you could put a cartridge in. You could load it up with, like, six CDs, and that, that way you didn't, this was, like, you know, Apple Music back in the day. And you could put this big old cartridge in the CD player, and you could listen six CDs in a row, okay? This was high technology. Well, the problem with the CD changer, if some of those cartridges were empty, it would just sit there for hours, and, and then it would, try, it would finally figure out, oh, this one's empty. Let me go to the next one. And so me having left the Barney CD in the, sixth of, in the sixth one, and the first five were empty, I didn't know that the CD player was on all day, on 10, all the way, completely. <laughs> so Marianne and I were in bed, fast asleep. 2 a.m. hits, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, da, 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 like, hey, kids, you know, I am honestly, now, don't think bad of me, of my manliness, I cannot remember a time in life where I was not more afraid. <laughs> I was shaken to the core. <laughs> it's 2 a.m., I am dead asleep, and it, you know at that time of the day, there is no noise. And to hear on 10, the sound of boisterous Barney music blaring so loud that the speakers are, you know, when they start disrupting, you think the speakers are gonna blow. And I'm trying to get out of bed. I am shaken to my, my first thought is, someone snuck in the house and is trying to disorientate me so they can kill me. And I'm getting out of bed and I am shaking. And I'm trying to get to the CD player and it's pitch black and uh, there's a speaker just blowing in and boom, finally turn it off. Now, amplify that times 10. Now here's the shepherds. Now what shepherds used to do is they would take, they would find stones in a field and they would build a big circle. We know this by archaeology from the, they would build a big circle and they would put all the sheep in that, that would be the sheep pen. And what they would do to protect the sheep is they would lie in front of the opening. You know, Jesus says, I am the, the gate. That's what he's talking about when he says, I am the great shepherd, I am the, I am the gate. And he would, the shepherd would lie in front, so that way any predator trying to come in would be, would be halted, and then any sheep trying to get out would stop. And could you imagine, it says here it's, it's nighttime, the shepherds are laying, maybe a nice little quiet, cozy fire's happening. He's chewing on a little piece of straw, just laying back. And then all of a sudden, da, 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 da. The supernatural Barney boasts on the scene. Now here's what happened to the shepherds. When we say the glory of God bursts into their world, and what do we say? It exposes our false security. All of a sudden, this shepherd realizes something has changed. The glory of God has appeared. What I thought I was all just safe in my warm and cozy bed lying at 2 a.m. in the morning, all of a sudden, boom, my false sense of security was heightened. It be, I became aware that things were different. At that moment, anybody could have done anything to me because I was so caught off guard. And it's the same way 
that the shepherds hear. The angel, boom, they're caught off guard. And that's what happens to us when the glory of God comes and breaks into our world. Doesn't it get us off guard? It helps us see that our circumstances, wow, actually I'm not as where I'm supposed to be with God as I thought I was. When God comes and breaks into our world, we see the, the false sense of, sense of security in our lives. We see the sin is exposed. We see the things that are highlighted where God wants to bring change. And we could look at this Christmas time and go, oh, the glory of God, oh, the shininess of, of Jesus coming in a manger. You know, the, lay they hate him, uh, the hay they laid him in was probably like shining and glistening and gold, and that's his glory. No, when the glory of God breaks in, Jesus, the mighty one, the one who will return on a thundering horse with lightning in his eyes and a tattoo on his leg and a robe dipped in blood and a sword in his tongue, that same Jesus, the glory of him when it comes into our world, our sense of false security, thinking, oh, we're just, we're, everything's fine and dandy, goes down the tubes. And our need for a savior is revealed. Isaiah 6, what does he say? Woe is me, for I am undone. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The glory of God shone to Isaiah. He says, woe is me, my false sense of security is gone. What else does the glory of God do when it breaks into our world? The glory of God replaces fear with joy. Now, you're, Kelly, you're saying, oh my gosh, there's fear that comes. Well, yeah, it's fearful. But look at this in verse 10 through 11. And the angel said to them, fear not, appropriate words. For behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Why? What is this good news? Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a Messiah who is the anointed one, the one that, uh, that Israel has been waiting for, where there's been a period of silence for 400 years, this Advent series, time that we're waiting, we're saying, oh, our hearts are longing for the, the Savior to come and, and let his glory pour out of my heart. That same Savior, you, lo and behold, listen, don't be afraid. I know I came to you and scared the mess out of you, right? But listen, I'm coming actually with good news to tell you something. Not only do you, is your circumstance changed for you personally, but for the whole world. The glory of God is going to be poured out, and it will be poured out in the Messiah. You know, the bad news for these, angel, for these shepherds instantly turned. What they thought, I mean, could you imagine a, an angel appearing to you like that? You would think you're going to die. You would think he had come to take you out. But the angel proclaims good news. He proclaims a life raft for the world. See, what he's saying is, listen, I've come in such a way revealing the glory of God because the, the weight of my message is going to disperse, is going to displace the status quo, 
and I've come. Th- you, you guys are in such a place where you need a Savior. And so what the, she- what the angels are telling the shepherds is, I'm coming telling you that the- a life raft has come. You are drowning, but a life raft has come. And for you and I, this isn't good news unless we know that we're actually drowning. <laughs> this isn't good news. A-, a person can't be joyful about good news unless they know the bad news. And the bad news is that we're sinners. The bad news is that we've all sinned. The bad news is that because of our sin, it has separated us from God. And because God is holy, and he's perfect and just. And the bad news is that if we don't have a way to get back to God because of our sin, that we're going to be eternally damned, and we're going to spend our eternity in hell. But for the angels declaring to the shepherds there's good news, it's the same good news that he's telling them, is telling us, is that the good news is there's a life raft available. And his name is Jesus. See, when we heard the angel, we thought, oh my gosh, he's coming to kill me. But he's saying, no, there's good news. There's a Messiah. There's a Savior. What are you feeling about this Christmas time? I'm going to keep asking that question. Is it lollipops and cotton candy? Or is it a Savior has come and rescued me? A Savior, I I was in a bad place. I was drowning. But a Savior has come. Number three, the glory of God creates awe and wonder. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The glory of God, if it, if, I mean, here's, here's the general thing about the glory of God. The glory of God is here with us even now as we're sitting here and listening. Now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but maybe it's like a two, if we could put it on a meter, right? Maybe it's a two, because the the glory of God is always, if we're believers, we carry the glory of God in our hearts. But there are heightened moments of the glory of God where, like here, where it's like a 10, right? Boom, the glory of God obviously breaks out and appears to these shepherds. When those moments take place, it's easy for us, for our hearts to get tugged toward the greatness of God. But in the day in and day out, when we have the number three moments of the glory of God, or maybe for you it's a five, I don't know. I'm not trying to, like, let's not get caught up in that. Isn't it easy sometimes, though, for us just to get, like, hmm, yeah, God's amazing. Awesome. I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Oh, God's amazing. Yeah, I got to go to work. See, what happens to us sometimes is the wonder and the awe of who God is sometimes diminishes in our hearts. Sometimes the glory of who he is is taken for granted. I know that's true for me. And sometimes we go through our lives, God may say something to us, and it just kind of seems like, meh. We sing songs up here, and we, 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 you know, these great truths about who God is, and we go, sung that one before. 
Kurt gets up here and talks about stories of redemption, and we go, that's nice. Because the glory of God has diminished in our hearts. But just like that song says, like, hearts turning, or flowers turning toward the sun and opening. See, we need to allow the glory of God to do that with our hearts where we turn our hearts and we orientate them toward the glory of God so that again the, the sun, the, the light of the glory of God can shine on our hearts and so that our hearts will no longer be shrunken little raisins, but they will be full of the glory of God, receiving all of who he is. And you'll see what the shepherds do here. What do they say? They say, let us go and see what has been declared to us. Let's go see it. The awe and the wonder of who God is has filled their heart. Now there's this security. God said it. Let's go see it. God said he's going to bless me. I believe it. I just say in here, God is, God's no respecter of persons. I believe it. God, God said that he saved me. This is amazing news. God said it. Let's go see it. And when the glory of God breaks into our world, it changes our heart from this Eh. Yeah. God's okay. Yeah. God's cool. Yeah. Everything in my life's pretty okay. And God just becomes like meh. Christmas time is a time for us again to allow our hearts orientate, open up to the sun, the glory of God. God, will you come and fill my heart again with your glory? I'm sorry, I've taken you for granted. God, will you shine on the dark recesses of my heart? It changes us. Let's go see it. There's almost, it's almost like a naive little child when you tell them, hey, did you know Bubba? And they're like, oh, really? <laughs> Why don't we feel the same way about God when God says, did you know I love you? <gasps> a big old smile should come on our face. And so, yeah, I know you love me. Why are you telling me again? You know, they had to make the journey to the stable. I don't know how long that was. We, we kind of assume the angels, oh, Jesus, and then they go, oh, awesome, and then they walked, and it took like 10 minutes to go, oh, there's the baby. I don't think that happened. I think, oh, let's go. Man, this is getting a long journey. Are we really sure that's what the angels said? Yes, we are. Because God said it, let's go see it. The wonder of God stayed in their hearts. Last one, number four. This is, I guess you could tack it on to that last one, but the glory of God creates worship in the everyday. Verse 20. And the shepherds, now, Look at, look at this verse with me. Sometimes we just kind of skip over stuff. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they've already gone and seen Jesus, and now the shepherds are returning where? Back to their flocks. You mean, Kelly, that these lowly outcast looked up, down upon from all of society, 
And most, maybe, they, they, maybe they were upright citizens, but no one would give them the time of day. You mean after their encounter with Jesus, they didn't like all of a sudden automatically get these new, brand new, wonderful jobs where everyone would love and respect them? No? So what happened? They returned back to shepherding. Now what's been different in these guys? The glory of God has come. And for you and me, the fact that Jesus is in our lives, sometimes we want that to mean something that it doesn't. We want it to mean, well, if Jesus loved me and he saved me, then I should have a different position in life. I should have more stuff. I should be more happy. I should have this. Because if I had this, then worship would be full in my heart. But that didn't happen for the shepherds. Their plight had not changed, except for the fact that now they have a savior. But they, go, they went back, they go back to what they were doing, yet with worship in the everyday. And for you and I, this Christmas season, we should, that should, that should, it should revel in our hearts that we have a savior, and so that when we go to work, when we discipline our kids, when we pick them up from school, when we're doing X, Y, and Z, when we have to do another spreadsheet, when we have to do another electrical panel, when we have to wipe another dirty bottom, whatever it is, that the awe and wonder of who God is has filled our heart, and we worship in the mundane every day, every situation. Why? Because the glory of God has broken in. Like a comet, boom! Displaced what I ultimately worshipped and said, no, this is the true sense of what is worship. You have a Messiah. You have a Savior. And it is good news for all mankind. It's okay to go back to work for 50 years doing the same thing. You can worship even in that. I wonder for, you, for us, myself included, if I were to give us all like a sheet of paper this morning and say, write down all the blessings that you can. I wonder how short that little list would be. Or if I were to ask you, write down all your complaints in life you probably turn the page over and say, excuse me, I need another sheet of paper. It's so easy for us to get our eyes on the negative, get our eyes on all the things that are hardship, and to complain and complain and complain. But when the glory of God breaks into our world, man, we start asking for another sheet of paper so we can write more of the blessings that God has done. God, you saved me. God, you gave me breath so I could praise you. God, you gave me four beautiful children. God, you, you, you've given me, you let me eat dinner last night. I have food on my table. God, I have, I have a blanket in my house. God, I have a, this like amazing thing that if I go toward the wall and flick it on, light turns on. I have shoes on my feet. I'm able to speak, I'm able to hear, I'm able to see, I'm able to taste. All these things that we take for granted. 
blessing after blessing after blessing. I'm going to end with this. Man, we're running out of time. 2 Corinthians, it's not going to be up there. 3.18 says, Paul tells the church, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me read it again. And we all, those who put our hope and faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, with unveiled face, which means now we, we, see, we can see Jesus face to face, beholding the glory of the Lord are what? Being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. Now here's the thing about that. That is awesome and that's terrible all at the same time. God, you're saying say one degree of glory at a time, one degree of glory, one degree of glory. Can it be like, can, can somebody just give me 20 degrees of glory at a time? Can a brother, like, let, let me just get a full 180, you know? But it's this sense of in those one degrees of glory at a time where God is working on us and making us more like his son, he's adding and adding and adding. And you'll notice that Paul says, beholding the glory of the Lord. Our challenge this Christmas season is to behold the glory of our God, a glorious God whose weight transforms our, our lives, transforms the world around us, who makes us different. God and you, can, he's gonna win. You can't have his glory and your mundane meh-ness in the same room his glory is going to win out. Are we seeking him and his way, his glory? Or are we just kind of coasting through this Christmas season? Will you guys stand with me this morning?